welcome to the Wholesome Mama podcast. I am your host, Bethany Terry. All right, this week's episode has come highly recommended. I have quite a few friends, families, a lot of listeners that struggle with PCOS. PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. It's a condition that affects women's hormones. It affects 1 in 10 women of childbearing age and women that struggle with PCOS, they produce higher than normal amounts of male hormones called androgens. This imbalance causes them to skip menstrual periods, um, which in turn makes it harder for them to get pregnant. Often there are cysts on the ovaries and hair growth on the face, body, sometimes even baldness, and these can all contribute to other health issues like diabetes, heart disease. Often after getting diagnosed, some of the first recommendations from a doctor will be to get on birth control and diabetic drugs, and um, up to 70% of women with PCOS have insulin resistance, which means that their cells can't use insulin properly. So insulin is a hormone produced in the pancreas, which helps our body to use sugar for energy. So when our bodies can't do this properly, the demand for insulin increases and the pancreas makes more. And extra insulin triggers the ovaries to produce more male hormones. So women with PCOS often have increased levels of inflammation to their bodies and suffer Common symptoms such as irregular periods, heavy bleeding, hair growth, acne, weight gain, male pattern baldness, darkening of the skin, headaches, and PCOS is one of the leading causes of infertility. So all of these symptoms can negatively affect our emotions and quite often lead to depression and anxiety. PCOS also increases the risk for pregnancy complications. Women with this are twice as likely to deliver prematurely, have a greater risk of miscarriage, high blood pressure, and gestational diabetes. Um, Upon doing research on this, um, I did notice that sadly there just isn't quite enough studies done. There isn't a lot of information out there, and one of the common ways to help combat a lot of these symptoms is with lifestyle changes in the form of diet and exercise. So I'm going to go through a few foods to add into the diet and some of the highly recommended things to do as well. So high fiber foods can help combat insulin resistance by slowing down digestion and reducing the impact of sugar on the blood. A lot of high-fiber foods include broccoli, Brussels sprouts, arugula, beans, lentils, almonds, and berries. Foods that can help reduce inflammation may also be beneficial, and these include kale, spinach, olive oil, berries, fatty fish, tomatoes. Limiting high refined carbs, sugary drinks, processed foods, and replacing a lot of these with more whole foods have been shown to help as well. Essentially, whole foods are unprocessed. They are in their most natural state. They're free from artificial sugars, hormones, and preservatives. So I'm going to move into talking about some supplements that have been beneficial as well. So I'm really sorry if I butchered this name. (laughs) Inositol is a B vitamin that can help improve insulin resistance. This is found in many foods, particularly in grains, nuts, and fruit. 
Inositol has a role in blood glucose control and can make body cells more sensitive to insulin. Chromium may improve your body mass index, which can help with PCOS and metabolizing sugar. You can find these naturally in low doses of foods like broccoli, beef, green beans, and potatoes. Zinc is a trace element that can boost fertility and your immune system. Vitamin D is a hormone that is vital to our endocrine system. Deficiency is quite common, and together with calcium, it can help to improve irregular periods. So probiotics go above just helping our gut. They play an important role for PCOS. They can help reduce inflammation, regulate sex hormones like androgen and estrogen, and along with diet, exercise goes hand in hand. So exercise can help reduce insulin resistance and relieve stress. Um, just like of anything, a little too much of something isn't always the best. So too much exercise can disrupt our hormones. So it's quite important to find a healthy balance in your lifestyle, find things that you enjoy doing. Exercise brings down insulin levels. It can help with weight loss. It's important for cardiovascular health and can help improve mood. There is nothing like those endorphins after a workout. So going on a brisk walk, finding something you enjoy doing, moving your body is something I highly suggest doing, honestly, every single day. I think it's important to find a way that we can move our body without feeling like um, we have to justify doing it. Reducing stress. This can help to regulate cortisol and it's really important to find a way to manage stress in a healthy way and take taking time to take care of ourselves. We live in a world where busy culture is huge. We are so busy taking care of others' needs often before we get to our own. And so taking time, if you can, each and every week to focus on yourself, take care of yourself, reduce those stress levels, and I promise you will feel so much better. Some holistic approaches like acupuncture can help to increase blood flow to your ovaries, reduce cortisol levels, improve sensitivity to insulin, and much more. I will be hosting an acupuncturist on the podcast soon, and I will definitely be going to discuss the benefits in more depth, so stay tuned for that episode. So, like I mentioned before, this episode has come highly requested and a lot of my fellow listeners have opened up and shared with me some experiences and their stories and I have permission to share some of the things that they personally do that help them with PCOS symptoms. Uh, disclaimer, I would like to state that just because something works well for somebody doesn't mean that it's going to work as well for you. You need to find... Um, your own way and things that work for you. So I, they have shared these with me and have given me permission to share as well. So quite a few of them have said that going gluten and dairy free have helped them tremendously. Getting off of birth control has helped them feel so much better. The change in diet and lifestyle. Um, Definitely doing research on birth control to finding what works best for you. 
There's a lot of side effects. There's a lot of options out there. And if you refer back to my birth control episode, I talk a lot about the side effects. I talk a lot about how to re-nourish the body after coming off the pill. So definitely go back and take a listen to that one. It's a great informative episode. Um, a few have said that they crave sugar a lot. So having really high insulin will do that. And it was surprising. A lot of these women have told me that taking a more holistic approach and healing their bodies with food, supplements, and movement are things that they enjoy doing and have helped them tremendously. A lot of doctors recommend the pill or IUD as treatment plan and heavily recommend losing weight and being on a strict diet. And being on a strict diet just isn't sustainable and it's not fun. So I have rallied up Kirsten. She is a nutritionist. She helps those with PCOS reconnect with their body and food through intuitive eating. So I'm really, really excited that she has accepted my invitation and will join us for the remainder of the episode. So without further ado, here is Kirsten. Hi everyone, my name is Kirsten. Um, I am a PCOS specialist nutritionist. Um, I recently got my degree in nutrition and dietetics and I am working on my master's degree currently. And I love what I do. I love just working with women um, who struggle with PCOS and helping them overcome their individual issues. Oh, that's awesome. So um, what school did you attend? I went to Brigham Young University in Utah. Oh, no but way. currently in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I am also LDS, so that is really cool. Oh, neat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> connection. Yeah. So how is, um, you said you moved recently to Arizona? Yes. How are you adjusting to that heat? It's wonderful actually we are a little bit more south next to some mountains that make it so it's like a very temperate weather like absolutely beautiful I have no complaints oh that's awesome oh that's good yeah we go to Arizona almost every year but with um COVID obviously we are not able to come so (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you're ever like down by Tucson, let me know. We'll all hit you up and we can party. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So, um, so what inspired you to kind of go into the PCOS route and help those that struggle with that? Um, well, I was diagnosed myself with PCOS when I was 14. So pretty young. Mm-hmm. And from there, I really struggled with my own relationship with food trying to figure out what was going to help my PCOS. I tried gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, keto, paleo, every single diet out there. And when I got to college, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out for myself and decided to pursue nutrition. Um, And that's where I learned a lot more about intuitive eating and overcoming some of the disordered eating behaviors that I had, as well as the science to back up intuitive eating to help PCOS and that's Mm -hmm. where I became passionate about it okay that's awesome so speaking on since you've tried it what are your thoughts on people going gluten dairy free and why do you think it works so well for them and maybe not others 
Great question. Um, everybody's different, first of all. So if you find something that works for you, that is great. Um, as far as gluten-free goes, we'll start with that one. There is not a ton of research. Actually, there's no research to back up any correlation between gluten-free helping PCOS. Um, the correlation there though could be a result of, um, lowering carbohydrate intake that might be helping insulin resistance or increasing fruit and vegetable consumption because you're taking out gluten, um, increasing other behaviors. Like, I don't know. There's just so many different reasons that taking out gluten could affect other aspects of your life. And those variables often will be beneficial behaviors for PCOS. Mm-hmm. And same with dairy-free. Some For a lot of people, it is a trigger, like lactose intolerance. Um, and if that's the case, it can definitely help to take it out because it helps decrease like the inflammation in your body, the stress response from your body. Um, and there is some research showing that low-fat dairy can increase testosterone, which is not something we want with PCOS, Mm -hmm. but having high fat dairy or whole, like whole milk, um, cheeses that actually has estrogen in it and can help PCOS. Oh, really? Yeah. So fun facts. Um, yeah, hopefully that helped answer that a little bit. Yeah, I think it did. Awesome. So um yeah there there is not a lot of research out there on like PCOS or things that can help so what advice would you have for someone who feels discouraged with how little research that has been done um I would make sure that you're using the resources that are available especially with the internet there's a lot of there is a lot of misinformation so you have to be careful for that and filter that out but there is also a lot of good information. Um, for example, on Instagram, my page is PCOS.positivity. And I try to give as much free information as I can to help others mm-hmm. um, and give the information that I wish I would have had when I was first diagnosed. Um, and there's a bunch of other accounts similar to mine that can give you that direction as well. Um, and then the other thing is just learning to, again, Figure out what's best for you because there can be all the research in the world, but every single body is different. So taking it with kind of an experimental approach of, okay, well, I'm going to try different things and see what feels good for me and not do it in a judgmental way, but um, just be willing to use that curiosity mindset to find what's going to be the best balance for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually found your page. I started following the hashtag, I think it was PCOS positivity or something. And then some of your posts would come up on um, the explore page underneath it. So I saw your page. And yeah, you're right. You have some great info on there. A lot of uplifting things for women that are currently going through that. So definitely give her a follow because she has really, really good stuff on there. Thank you. I do try to make it a very positive space because I feel like having PCOS can be incredibly discouraging and lonely. And so just having a community where we can support each other and uplift one another, I think is really important in navigating this whole journey. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree, especially when 
you know, someone that if there isn't a lot of research, they don't know where to turn, having someone to follow or kind of relate to in a way. It's really important to have a lot of those people in your life. So um, speaking of eliminating things or limiting, are there things that should be limited to an extent or um, in your opinion? So this is a really interesting question that I get a lot, um, especially when it comes to things that we typically deem as like treats or Mm -hmm. sweets or um, other things. But my whole approach is rather than limiting or avoiding any food, look at what you can add to enhance your health. Um, Because for example, if you say, well, I'm never going to have any chocolate, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. our brains automatically go to all I want is chocolate. And we tend to kind of obsess over that. And then it gets to the point where you can't stand it any longer and will either binge and then feel guilty and then try and go on another diet. And it just kind of creates a cycle that um, isn't super healthy mentally or physically. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying, I'm not going to have any chocolate saying, okay, chocolate, um, Maybe I could have a dark chocolate that has antioxidants in it. That's going to be beneficial for my body. Or if I'm going to have chocolate, maybe I could pair it with some fat and protein. That's going to help it have a lower impact on my blood sugar, like having almonds with my chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of taking that approach where you look at what you can add rather than restrict also takes away that guilt factor and some of the um, binging tendencies that can come around from dieting or restricting or avoiding any certain food. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That is really good. I think a lot of people kind of get tied up and obsessed with what you can't have. And it's not healthy either to just like take things out completely. Yeah. I yeah. love adding in there, adding better things to help. That's yeah. Yeah. Plus no one wants to live their whole life without their favorite foods. Exactly. So finding that you can include it all in moderation, I think, is a great approach. Mm-hmm. I agree. So um, going into supplements, what are some of the ones that you recommend to some of your clients and everything like that? Yeah, so this is definitely um, very individualized, again, depending on kind of what your root cause is. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, for some people, they struggle more with insulin resistance, and that's what's causing hormone imbalances. For others, it's inflammation. For others, it's gut health. So just kind of depending on where your issues are stemming from would depend on which supplements are best. Hmm. Um, One of my most widely recommended supplements includes inositol, which is essentially just a B vitamin, um, but they have what's called myo-inositol and d-chiro-inositol. Um, Sometimes you can get a combined version as well, which is really nice. And this helps with insulin resistance. So um, it helps your body digest and metabolize blood sugar, your sugars in your blood a little bit better, which is helpful. Um, And that kind of has a domino effect on all our other hormones. Um, For inflammation, things like fish oil can be really helpful. Um, any type of omega-3, especially if you don't consume fish regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, with PCOS, there also is a high correlation to low vitamin D levels. Um, so that can be helpful. Those 
who are focusing specifically on fertility, they found that supplements like CoQ10 can be beneficial, zinc, um, magnesium. There's so many out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but more than anything, I would say like, a prenatal vitamin, if you're trying to conceive or just a multivitamin can be really helpful and cover a lot of those bases. And then for more of the specific ones, I would definitely recommend meeting with either your primary physician or a nutrition dietitian, um, to kind of figure out your specific needs. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of reading up on this. I have a lot of friends and family that have PCOS and I am currently kind of being tested to see if I have it as well. Um, and so a lot of my friends have been telling me about like the medications that they had been on in the past and kind of what their side effects were. So, um, what are some medications that you wouldn't recommend and why? Cause there's quite a few. <laughs> there are a lot. So some of the like first treatments when it comes to PCOS tend to include birth control and metformin. Those are probably the two most common ones. And um, again, these can both be really great options if that's what you want. But I think knowing that you have other options is also important. So you can make that choice um, knowing all the information. Mm -hmm. So as far as birth control goes, um, hormonal birth control. So whether that's a pill or an IUD that is hormone-based can Mm -hmm affect your PCOS and it can help. It can help with some of those symptoms. Um, but sometimes it's also masking a different, a deeper issue. So it's kind of like a bandaid answer on something that needs a little bit more help than mm-hmm. what birth control can do. Cause it's just kind of supplementing your hormones. Um, but again, that can be helpful if you're already looking at birth control for conception or not conceiving, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as metformin goes, this one does have a lot of side effects and everyone reacts to it differently, but it can cause a lot of nausea, um, vomiting, diarrhea, just really bad gastrointestinal issues. Mm-hmm. So if you take metformin and don't feel super great, know that you can still manage your insulin which is what metformin is primarily used for through natural methods. So using that, those supplements like the inositol that I mentioned, um, as well as just exercise and learning to balance your meals mm. um, and just being conscious of that kind of gentle nutrition side of things, um, you can totally 100% manage your insulin that way. So metformin is not the only way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) So do genetics play a role in PCOS? Good question. Um, For a long time, we thought yes, because we see these correlations in families of having PCOS, but they've just come out with some new research. And again, it's kind of, um, you know, it's new. So (laughs) we're still learning more about it, but they think it actually might have to do more with um, adrenals or different hormones being present during the fetal development. So during pregnancy. Mm. Um, so that's why, for example, my mom has PCOS and PCOS causes those high 
androgens. And so when she was pregnant with me, that might, uh, might affect how my body now uses hormones and why it might be imbalanced as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just a really interesting thing, but it also means that if you're looking to have kids managing your hormones the best way you can um, is especially important because then you can hopefully help your children to not have the same issues. Um, Though it is important to know it's never your fault. Mm -hmm. It's no one's fault for ever having PCOS or developing it um, in any way. So yeah, kind of fun stuff. (laughs) It's very interesting. So what could happen if someone didn't manage their PCOS very well? What are some of the cons in that area? Yeah, it just affects so many different parts of our life. Mm -hmm. So having PCOS that's, you know, might feel a little bit out of control could mean that you have really low energy levels. You might dealing with headaches or migraines having really irregular periods, whether that means not having one at all or having really heavy bleeds, there's cramping, there's acne, Mm -hmm. um, facial hair growth, body hair growth, hair loss on your head, just a lot of things that aren't super fun to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you help your PCOS, when you help manage it and you really treat that root cause, it's going to help all of those things. So that's a huge benefit to trying to treat it at its root. Mm -hmm. Um, That way, so many of these symptoms that you might not even realize are tied to PCOS can be helped. Okay. So before I get into um, the listener's questions, I read something and I just wanted to ask, um, there was something that said there are four different types of PCOS? Yes. So depending on who you talk to or how you want to categorize it, um, we often do break PCOS down into different types. Mm -hmm. So there's two kind of ways to do this. One is by how you're diagnosed. Um, So if you're diagnosed with irregular period, so there's, okay, let me start (laughs) over. Um, (laughs) There are, to be diagnosed with PCOS, you have to meet a certain criteria. You have to have two of the three, um, I guess, symptoms or mm-hmm. criteria. So you have to either have irregular periods, high androgen levels, which is tested through a blood test or cysts on the ovaries, um, which is done through an ultrasound. So having two, at least two of those three means a PCOS diagnosis. Now there, the different types can sometimes be categorized depending on if you have like a combination of two of those or all three of them that's Mm -hmm. one way people distinguish it the other way is through the different root causes of pcos um that i kind of mentioned with like insulin resistance inflammation gut health or excess adrenal activity um there's also post pill type Mm-hmm. which just means if you're on birth control and you had normal periods before, and then you take birth control and you don't have normal periods afterwards, mm-hmm. that kind of residual effect of the birth control and how it affected your hormones might be causing PCOS symptoms. Um, so those are kind of your types there. Um, and you can have multiple types. So you could struggle with insulin resistance and inflammation, for example, 
Um, it's not isolated to just one or the other, though a lot of people do have like a dominant type that kind of is the reason for a lot of their issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Okay. So I'm going to go into some listeners' questions that they submitted in. So someone asked, can you reverse PCOS? Um, PCOS is considered a chronic condition, which means mm-hmm. you're going to have it your entire life, um, no matter what you really do. Mm-hmm. But like we've talked about, there are ways to manage it and get it to the point where you almost don't even realize you have it. Um, and it could like disappear. But then again, if for whatever reason, some of those behaviors disappeared, um, Mm -hmm. those symptoms could come back and resurface. So I don't know that you can necessarily reverse it, but you can definitely manage it to the point where you don't even realize you have it. Okay. And someone asked, what should I do to increase my chances for getting pregnant? This is a great question. Um, I am actually trying, currently trying to conceive, Mm -hmm. um, as well as a lot of my followers. And so, um, the best things that you can do is figure out what is the root cause of your issues, Mm -hmm. um, which again is very different for everyone. And then make sure that your body is in what I call a safe place. So we don't want our bodies to feel overly stressed, whether that's psychological stress or physiological stress. We want it to feel like it's in a safe place. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about our body's purpose evolutionarily, our bodies have learned to adapt and not have children when it's in a time of famine or war or stress. So we want to make sure our bodies like feel like, okay, we're at a good place to have babies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So making sure you're eating enough, not over-exercising, um, reducing your mental stress, however possible, and then incorporating other beneficial behaviors. Like there's a lot of different fertility friendly foods, um, like plant, I mean, your fruits and vegetables in mm-hmm. general are really great. Omega threes, like your fish and nuts and oils, um, as well as, like I mentioned, the high fat dairy can also help with hormones. So mm-hmm. That gives you an idea of a couple things that you can do there. So someone, another one asked almost the same question. They just kind of were wondering from more of a nutrition standpoint where they should start um, more incorporating things into their everyday meals and everything like that. Yeah, I would definitely start by tuning into your body and trying to understand its needs. Mm -hmm. So trying to listen to when your body is hungry Um, when it's full, what types of foods it's asking for, because our bodies are so smart. It'll tell us what it needs. Um, Sometimes we just get so caught up in our busy schedules um, and just like the day-to-day of life that it gets easy to tune out what our body is trying to communicate to us. So that would probably be my first step is just figuring out what your body is trying to say to you and learning how you're going to respond to it and build that trust with your Mm -hmm. body. Okay. So someone asked, um, can you explain intuitive eating to someone that might not know what it is? Yeah. Um, intuitive eating was originally developed by two dietitians, Mm -hmm. Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Fresh. They're amazing. And it's 
a framework of 10 steps that helps you rebuild your relationship with food. Um, so taking away the guilt that a lot of us feel around food, Mm -hmm. as well as helping you learn to respect your body, um, and treat nutrition as a way of helping your body and working with it rather than trying to punish it or fight with it or work against it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, again, it's just, it's 10 steps that you kind of get to work through and it's really amazing. It's helped thousands and thousands of people work through eating disorders, um, as well as just finding that balance of being able to enjoy foods that you love and nourishing your body in a way that feels good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I personally try to eat more intuitively and it's way more balancing and I don't ever feel like, oh my goodness, I can't eat this. I just more enjoy it than feel guilty about it. Totally. So someone asked, how can I, can, how can I help to control my acne? Hey, acne. Um, acne is typically related to testosterone levels. So we want to look at ways that you can help lower that. And again, it's the way our hormones work are so interconnected that it's hard to kind of explain, but, um, figuring out why your testosterone might be high is helpful. So doing a blood test, if that's something that's available to you through your doctor is a great place to start. Um, and then there are different things that you can do to help with that. Drinking spearmint leaf tea is one of the best things you can do to help lower your testosterone naturally. Mm -hmm. So if you want to try that, that's a great thing to do. Um, and then again, just kind of balancing those meals, making sure you're getting a variety of foods, giving your body nourishment when it's asking for it, not over exercising. All those are things that are going to help balance those hormones and get rid of that acne. So, uh, yeah, same thing. What helps with hair loss? Hair loss is typically a symptom that's connected to inflammation, which I tend to describe as kind of like a sunburn inside of your body. Mm -hmm. So your body just gets really kind of red and swollen and it's trying to fix itself, but doesn't really know how. And so by adding in what I call anti-inflammatory foods can kind of act as like an aloe vera to help soothe your body. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would include your omega-3s, which I've mentioned a couple times now of oils, fish, healthy fats, as some call them like avocados, Mm -hmm. nuts can all be really helpful as well as fruits and vegetables and just those really colorful foods that have a lot of antioxidants. Um, that can help lower your inflammation and that tends to help with hair loss. That's awesome. I love that comparison there. <laughs> um, and there are just three more questions. So are boils related to PCOS? This is a good one. Um, it can be, and similar to the hair loss, it might have something to do with inflammation, mm-hmm. but I would also just recommend checking with your doctor and seeing if there's anything else that could be causing that. And then, okay, sorry. Last question. Uh, Someone asked, what is your favorite food? My favorite food? Oh, wow. I love fettuccine Alfredo Mm. with chicken on it 
often from Olive Garden if you've ever been to Olive Garden. It's like oh, my yeah. favorite. So that would probably be my favorite food. Huh. That is really good. I love pasta. <laughs> yeah. Pasta's great. <laughs> all right. So those are all of my questions, all of our listeners' questions. And you definitely broadened a lot of questions that we've had and wow I feel like I know a lot more now and kind of you know if I were to get the diagnosis back that I do have it I feel like now I can kind of know where to start a little bit and I feel like it can help other people as well so thank you so much for letting me pick your brain and take your time of course no I think PCOS can be such a scary diagnosis and it can feel very (laughs) overwhelming of like where do I even start what do I do um so I love being able to just like provide a safe place for people to ask questions and try and learn and understand your body because that knowledge is really powerful Mm -hmm. I agree thank you so much Kirsten for coming on here we covered a lot of ground there and I am so glad that you accepted my invitation to come onto the podcast so thank you again so much Definitely don't forget to follow her. Her page is at PCOS.positivity. Her page is so uplifting, so motivating, and very, very informative. Definitely check her out. Give her a follow. I am so glad that I found her page. And before I wrap up this week's episode, I do have a recipe that I want to share with my listeners that may not have Instagram, may not follow me on Instagram. So you can easily follow me at the Wholesome Mama Podcast. I share a lot of recipes, a lot of fitness things, a lot of things that I'm doing in my postpartum weight loss journey. But I just made a new recipe for um, banana chocolate chip muffins. This one has a bit more protein in it and it was so good. It turned out so well. I think I'm going to like make this like a lot now. So these are protein banana chocolate chip muffins. All you'll need is two bananas two cups of Kodiak cakes. You can find these at um, Costco. They come in a big box. It'll last you a long time. Easiest, quickest um, breakfast idea. Donnie loves these. So you'll need one cup of almond milk, a quarter cup of maple syrup, one egg, one teaspoon of vanilla, a handful of hemp hearts, and chocolate chips. Those are of course optional, but why wouldn't you want chocolate chips in your muffins? So good. All you need to do is put it in a greased um, muffin tin, bake at 350 for 16 to 18 minutes, let it cool, and enjoy. These are awesome. They are there are about 11 grams of protein, and for two muffins, it's pro- it's around 260 calories. So this is the perfect snack. Donnie and I were munching on these all day, and they would be awesome to throw in your husband's lunch as a snack or compliment it as his lunch in general. So that is it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate or review, follow me on Instagram, and I will see you guys next week for a whole new episode.